Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. We come before you, our Father, to wait upon you for the outpouring of your Spirit in our midst. We have felt your presence with us as we have shared together in singing and prayer. We come now to share our Father from your Word, divided to us in a manner that would bless our hearts, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Florence Nightingale, whom all of you will remember from your days in school, was asked on one occasion as to what she attributed her success in the work that she had elected to do. She responded with these words, and I quote, I can give only one explanation, and that is this. I have kept nothing back from God. Howard A. Kelly was a famous surgeon. When he graduated from medical school, he recorded these words in his diary. Let me quote them to you. He said, today I dedicate myself, my time, my capabilities, my ambition, everything to him. Blessed Lord, sanctify me to thy use. Give me no worldly success which may not lead me nearer to my Savior. You may remember the name Jim Elliot. Jim Elliot was one of the young missionaries that was killed in Ecuador a few years ago by the spear of an Indian of the Akua tribe. He had already written these words before that event when he said, God, I pray thee, light these idle sticks of my life that I may burn for thee. Consume my life, my God, for it is thine. I seek not a long life, but a full one like you, Lord Jesus. All of you will remember the great preacher Jonathan Edwards. He quoted, or he he wrote these words, and let me quote them to you. He says, I claim no right to myself, no right to this understanding, this will, these affections that are in me. Neither do I have any right to this body or its members, no right to this tongue or to these hands, feet, eyes, or ears. I have given myself clear away and not retained anything of my own. I have been to God this morning and told him I have given myself wholly to him. I give you these four quotes to simply lay out this statement that this is discipleship, complete identification complete surrender to Jesus Christ. It is illustrated by these four people from whom I quoted. 
to ask then a follow-up, a question. Are we disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ? Have we given ourselves completely and fully to Him in a manner that would have been illustrated by statements from Florence Nightingale and Howard Kelly and Jim Elliott and Jonathan Edwards? That these might have been written had we been so inclined by our own hand to fully divest ourselves of personal desire for the purpose and intent of giving ourselves completely and fully to the person that we have claimed to be our master? Could we say, I am his disciple? with that complete abandon of personal desire and personal gain and give ourselves fully and completely to the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said in these verses that we read that a disciple is not above his master. And yet sometimes we feel that we should be treated better than he was treated. He describes discipleship to us. And let me say the first point that I feel that we need to look at when it comes to discussing our discipleship to our master is that a disciple emulates his master. That is, a disciple imitates his master. A disciple strives to become like his master. That is a disciple. One who exercises every fiber of his being to be like the one that he follows. I recall a teacher in college was being spoken of on one occasion about one of his students and the person speaking called this individual a student of yours and the professor came back with this statement, he may have sat in my classes but he was never a student of mine. Why? because there was nothing about that student's life that indicated that he had ever gained one ounce of intelligence, of information, of desire to do that which the Master taught. I wonder how many times the Lord Jesus would have to say the same thing of us. He may have been in the church services. He may have uh, looked like he was a follower of mine, but he was never a disciple of mine, for he never revealed an imitation of me. He never strived to become like me. Jesus said in verses 24 and 25 that a disciple is as his master, a servant is one who is as his Lord. The principle that he's speaking of is submission. Most of us are not very submissive. We want to exercise what we quote call 
improperly, but quote, call our God-given right. That has been abused so many times. What are God-given rights? I think we will discover that our God-given rights are only to emulate Jesus Christ, to imitate him. And we have no powers given to us by God except that which was illustrated in Jesus Christ. And Jesus is saying, a follower of mine is one who is submissive to me. A follower of mine is one who listens to what I have to say and does that which I speak. In uh, 1 John chapter 2, verse 6, listen to these words. He that saith, he abideth in me, ought himself also to walk even as he walked. He that says, I am a disciple of Jesus Christ, ought to walk as the Master walked. Else we give a false illusion to those who might be looking at us. A child has a tendency, and a good one, to follow, follow his father. Fathers, listen. You can never expect more out of your child than you have given him an illustration in your own life. Mothers, you can never expect more out of that daughter of yours than you have lived before that daughter. Because the child will follow in the footsteps of the parent, although I will grant you that there are some who have gone above and beyond the footsteps of the parents, but a parent has no right to expect that it would happen it will happen at times. The, the child will exceed that of the parent. You have said, as I have high many on many occasions, that he is just like his father. Now you've got to listen to the tone of those words to understand what we mean. He is just like his father, or he's just like his father. And so we have spoken with pride in those statements, or we have spoken them in disgust. But we have spoken them truly. I read the story of a man who was an alcoholic and came home drunk night after night. And one winter night, he staggered into the house. The next morning, he was sobering up with a cup of coffee, and he looked out the window and he saw his young son staggering in his footsteps, trying to step where his father had stepped the night before in the snow. And it awoke him to the reality. He awakened to the reality that as he walked, so would his child walk. will follow in the footsteps of the parent, although I will grant you that there are some who have gone 
above and beyond the footsteps of the parents, but a parent has no right to expect that it would happen. It will happen at times. The, the child will exceed that of the parent. You have said, as I have high many, on many occasions, that he is just like his father. Now you've got to listen to the tone of those words to understand what we mean. He is just like his father, or he's just like his father. And so we have spoken with pride in those statements, or we have spoken them in disgust. But we have spoken them truly. I read the story of a man who was an alcoholic and came home drunk night after night. And one winter night, he staggered into the house. The next morning, he was sobering up with a cup of coffee, and he looked out the window, and he saw his young son staggering in his footsteps, trying to step where his father had stepped the night before in the snow. And it awoke him to the reality. He awakened to the reality that as he walked, so would his child walk. Listen, as Jesus walked, we are commanded to walk. And to do otherwise is to not be his disciple. So we walk as he walks. What should we expect from this walk? Sometimes we are offended and hurt and abused by what the world says and does with us as Christian people. They look at us with scorn and, and try to break us down and, and rebuke us and reject us and criticize us in every way. And it hurts our feelings. It causes us uh, to be uncomfortable and to be discouraged. But Jesus said, if they have called, in verse 25, look at the words, if they have called the master of the house Belzebub, how much more shall they call them of his household? What do they mean? Do you know who Belzebub was? Belzebub or Belzebul, you will find it in some translations, was the Lord of the Flies. Now you remember back in that day that there were lots of gods. Everything had a god. And there was a god of the flies. It was a term uh, that was despicable. If you were going to be a deity, you surely could be a deity of more than flies. It was a despicable statement, a derogatory statement, a critical statement, placing a deity into the lowest possible order. And it finally, or Belzebul, you will find it in some translations, was the Lord of the Flies. Now you remember back in that day that there were lots of gods. Everything had a god. And there was a god of the flies. It was a term uh, that was despicable. If you were going to be a deity, you surely could be a deity of more than flies. 
It was a despicable statement, a derogatory statement, a critical statement placing a deity into the lowest possible order. And it finally became a word that was used to, to identify Satan himself. And so the Lord is saying, people are talking about me and calling me the Lord of the flies. Do you think that you ought to be spoken more highly of than me? I think we need to realize that when it comes to our Christian walk, we should not expect to be looked up to and respected, to be loved and admired by society. We ought to expect to be looked at sideways and with somewhat a, a glance of uh, wonderment as to what kind of a creature have you become that you would spend all of your time and your energies and your efforts in church and in Bible reading and in testifying and all of these things. And because of that criticism, many disciples have fallen by the wayside. We should expect that type of attitude and be glad because this is what they gave the Lord. If the disciple is treated badly, remember the master received even worse treatment. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. How many times have you read those words? If he was full of grief, if he was rejected, if he was despised, how much more should we be treated? How much better? Not at all. Dare we expect any better treatment? Okay. So a disciple is one who follows his master regardless of where he might lead. A disciple is one who will take the abuse that the world would desire to, to heap upon us as Christian people and not be overly concerned about it. And then he says in verse 26, Fear them not, therefore, for there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed and hid that shall not be known. Do not fear. Tonight I'm preaching on that very subject from a different passage of Scripture. Why are you afraid? He says, do not fear what people say and do to you. Do not be afraid of what people say about you. Do not fear what people do to you. I cannot help but go to Peter's experience at the trial of Christ. When he stood around the fire warming himself while Jesus was in courtroom undergoing the trial. He did not go in. He stood outside. I think he could have gone in. John went in, but Peter did not. He stood around the fire while the Lord was being tried, and a young teenage girl, who ought to have been home in bed, but was out that late at night in the courtyard, came up to Jesus, and, uh, to Peter, and said to Peter, you're one of those. 
the mountain. Not me. Later on, you're one of his disciples. No, I am not, I tell you. And thirdly, someone said, you're a follower of Christ. And he swore and cursed and blasphemed the very name of Jesus Christ. Who was inside on trial. Because he was afraid for his own life. He was afraid for what people might think of him. And oftentimes, you and I, the followers of Jesus Christ, his disciples, stand at the fires of the world and deny we ever even knew him. When we ought to be speaking out. Why are we not to fear? Look at the words in the last half of the 26th verse. There is nothing that is covered that shall not be revealed. Nothing hid that shall not be known. In the end, and that's the only time that's really going to count, at the day of judgment, it'll all be brought out, and it will be revealed that we were right. We were right. And they were wrong. And that's the only time it's going to count. It matters not what people say today, but it will matter what the record will say on the day of judgment. But not now. Look at verse 27. I, what I tell you in darkness, that speak ye in light, and what you hear in the ear, that preach ye upon the housetops. This is an interesting verse. I like this verse. If you have a translation besides the King James from which I've read, you would discover that it will read a little differently, and it will say something like this. What I tell you privately, that you speak publicly. What I whisper in your ear, that you talk from the housetops. Did you hear it? What the Lord speaks to us in that still, small voice when we're in our private conversation with him, he wants us to proclaim to the public. That's which we know in our heart. We're not to keep there. We're to share it. There is no secret Christian folk because there is no secret gospel. We cannot privately be a, a Christian. We must publicly proclaim him that which he speaks to our heart privately. That which he whispers in our ear. Shout from the housetops. Let the world know where we stand. This was the way the Jewish rabbis taught their young students. They would stand in the pulpit beside them and they would whisper in their ear and what they heard then the young student would preach. And that's what the Lord is telling us. We're the student. Whispering it in our ear. And we're to preach it. Because it's his word. Look at verse 28. Fear not them which kill the body. Do us physical harm. But are not able to kill the soul. Do you realize Satan may deal with us physically. As he did with Job. He might do that. 
But there's one thing he can't do. Satan touch our soul. Our soul as a Christian is in the God. Do not be afraid of what people might do to the body but can't do to the soul. Rather, he says, but be able, uh, fear not them that kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Who's that? That's God himself. There's the only person to be afraid of. And the word fear here is properly interpreted. Have an overwhelming reverence for God. So much fear of God that you're in awe of him and that you love him with all your heart. You won't fear man because you fear God. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. You'll receive automatic notifications and downloads when a new message is added to the podcast. Also, please leave a five-star review and take the opportunity to share stories, memories, and appreciation for James Sheets and how God used him to impact your life. If you'd like to know why and how this podcast got started, check out our first episode. Lastly, if you want to donate to help offset the cost of operating this podcast, you'll find a link to our PayPal account in the podcast description and email us at James sheets.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.